Welcome to the Testimony Word broadcast from the Keepers House Chapel International. Our mission is to bring healing, transformation, and meaning to the lives of people in different societies with the good news of Jesus Christ. When you allow yourself to grow in a relationship with Him, you start getting filled up. When you are full of the Spirit, eh, you will be restrained and constrained from doing some things that are not of honest report. God's servant delivers the word of truth with clarity, simplicity, and dexterity. Here is Pastor Francis Aubin proclaiming God's mind to you today. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful unto you this morning. We bless you for what you are able to do in our lives. We know your word is blessed, is anointed for us, and our lives will never be the same again as we go into your word. Amen. We want to still talk about the twilight, not the morning light, and this would be part three. And today we are dealing with tent to tent. All right, so... In 2 Kings chapter 7, verse number, verse number 4, and, and he said, these are the four lepers talking. He said, if we say we will enter into the city, um, then the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore come and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live and if they kill us we shall but die and they rose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians and when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria behold there was no man there for the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariot and a noise of horses even the noise of a great host, they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. And I love verse 7. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their lives. 8. And when these lepers came to the utmost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and remnant and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. Praise the Lord. So they came and called to the king's household and blah, 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 blah. So we're dealing with tent to tent. And uh, we have spoken clearly about the twilight being a time where you are low on things. It looks like time has passed on your seasons and you feel like you are not too relevant and fruitful in whatever your purpose is or you are called here to do. But we are learning that in that moment or the twilight moment could also be your best moment in life. 
so then if you are not married yet you can give up it might be your twilight moment if business has gone ahead of you and you are behind it might be your twilight moment you are married you don't have children it might be your twilight actually most women or a lot of people who have testimonies of childbirth um, from a gynecological problematic situation get pregnant when they are not expecting or when they least expected pregnancy that is to say that they had some way somehow um, hibernated their active faith or belief for pregnancy and then that's their twilight moment it's like you are getting to the wee end of your um, your expectation so this is powerful when you are in a twilight moment things could look a bit bleak unto you but God is still working so here we see the four lepers in the twilight of their lives they sat at the gate of Samaria and they thought to themselves that if we go back to the city we're going to die because the famine is there we sit here we die and then if we go into the camp of the enemy we will also die but let us take a risk by taking a progressive action and so that's something that you and I who are kingdom workers have to understand that we always have to take a risk going forward we have to take a risk a progressive risk and that risk will most of the times cause you to launch yourself into enemy's territory so today we want to talk about when you get into the enemy territory and you see God who possibly may have set a platform for success for you, what do you do? Because many people get into the enemy territory, God has cleared the way for them, but then they need to do certain things to ensure that the blessings are well established and they can be progressive for their own lives. But many people blow the opportunities God gives them when they get to the market, when they get into marriage, when they get into ministry, when they get into the place, God has cleared the enemy to give them. And so if we take the enemy territory to be a market, when you get there, what do you do? We have to learn from these four lepers so that we can perpetuate our progress. We can perpetuate our prosperity. We can cause our prosperity to even outlive us. You know, we can cause our success to outlive us. And I have said here over and over again that it was God who was working with the lepers. So serving God is not equal to failure. Serving God is not equal to poverty. Serving God is not equal to shame. When we are serving God, we stand a better chance of doing better than an unbeliever. But what is important here is for us to understand that when we are Christians, there is no license upon us to be poor by force. Poverty is a choice. Failure is a choice. Shame is a choice. And you and I have to make the best choice to represent the glory of our Father here on earth. And if that will happen, what you have in your mind matters. Because the things you have subsumed, assumed in your mind, form part of your lifestyle of faith the bible said as a man thinketh so is he so when you see the practice of a man 
it is generated from the place of their thinking. You won't do different from what you think. So what you think defines your actions, your practice, your pattern, and to a large extent, the quality of your life. So when these people got to the, the territory, the, the place where the enemies used to occupy, um, they started doing some things. You see, first of all, they realized that no man was there. So what God is saying to you and I is that we will get to that point where God will give us opportunities and in those opportunities, possibly the people we'll be left with will be our partners, but we might not have any man there to oppose us. What normally will oppose you in a time of opportunity is yourself. When they, look at the scripture in verse number five. Watch it, the very last part of verse number five. So the Bible says that when they had come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. So there was no man there to oppose them. They started a journey thinking that the Syrians were there to oppose them. They were their adversaries, their opponents. You see, when you are going into the market, first of all, you see human beings. You see people who are big boys. You see companies that are big. You see people who are in the industry who are big players, pillars, who are almost monopolizing things in the market. If it is marriage, you might see some mother-in-law, father-in-law, brother, some friends of your, your spouse or your beloved-to-be. You might see things. In ministry, you see things. You might see demons. You might see a, a landlord if you are renting a property. You might see entities wanting to fight you. But the truth of the matter is that when you get into the terrain which God has given you for an opportunity, what opposes you mostly are not human beings. What opposes you in the moment when God has set up a great breakthrough for you is that there was no man there. So if there was no man there, then they were left to themselves to either oppose themselves or to, to free themselves into success. And I dare submit to you today that most of us are given opportunities by God. He places us in the right place, surrounds us with right people, gives us right channels and opportunity. And what really opposes us is not a man, it is us. We oppose us. We oppose ourselves. So how come people are able to oppose themselves? That's a question you should ask yourself. You will get opportunity and an idea in your mind will make you destroy yourself. A doing from a philosophical standpoint, from a standpoint of a negative principle, will make you undo yourself neutralize yourself because the Syrians were not there to oppose them. And they thought after a while, they said that if we continue to do what we are doing, we don't do well. So <laughs> not doing well is not a function of people neutralizing or negating you. Most of the times or usually we don't do well because we find a way where we neutralize or negate ourselves. It's a, we have seen that we don't do well. So how come you have everything in the tent, you have everything in the territory, what you prayed for has come, and you, they realize that they are not doing well. Some people 
don't have the wisdom in the middle of their self-destruction to find out that, look, what I am doing right now, I'm not doing well. It takes that divine wisdom, that discernment to know that, yeah, even though I feel like I'm in abundance, I'm not doing well. And so you continue with the negative operation until the morning light comes and there's some mischief befalls you. You continue in the negative way, you keep continuing, and as you keep piling negative practices, it becomes your regular life, and when the morning light comes, it will reveal the mischief of your operation. So let's take that. God gives you an opportunity with a product, you go into the market and all of that. You find out that if you are not careful with certain bad practices, sometimes they are not illegitimate, but they are just negative to how to, how to progress in ministry, in marriage, in, in business, in career, even in, in whatever you are doing. So for instance, God gives people opportunity to marry and then they abuse their partner. And it is not like anybody opposed you or anybody. You just felt like dominating your partner. And then you just began to abuse your partner or disconnect with your partner. And you have to realize that emotional disconnection with your partner, you are not doing well. But for so many people, it is like I am powerful, especially men. You disconnect with your wife emotionally, but you speak more with your secretary, with some of your lady friends, no bad dealings, but you are more emotionally connected to them, with your siblings and all of that, but not with your partner. When you are doing that, you are not doing well, and the opportunity of marriage you have gotten, you are going to blow it. So in the middle of the not doing well phenomenon, you've got to have that divine wisdom and compass to turn another direction and say, hey, Francis, I'm not doing well. I taught my little girl, you know, children have a few things when they are growing up. Some will lick their tongue, some will lick their mouth and all of that. Say, when you see yourself licking yourself, pinch yourself and mention your name. Hey, it's not good. And so she started doing it gradually. Sometimes you have to find a way to pinch yourself and say, hey, I'm not doing well. Everyone might think you are doing well because you are in abundance. And when you are in the middle of abundance and you are not doing well, you are not likely to see it. Because abundance is everywhere. They went into the tent. Look, rice, well, everything was there. But they still found a way to see that they were not doing well. Today, I want to ask you, do you have what it takes to evaluate and monitor yourself? Whether you are doing well with opportunity God has given you in ministry, in marriage, in career, in finance, in your health? Do you have what it takes? Have you developed the ability, the capacity to evaluate and monitor yourself, to evaluate, to find out, am I doing well or I am self-destructing? That's the first point I want you to make because when you're operating from tent to tent, we realize from the four lepers that when they got to that place, they, end, they first saw that no man was there. So you'll be given an opportunity where no man will not be the reason for your failure, but yourself. The same way no man will be the reason for your success, but yourself and God. And let me say that people who have God with them still have the same temptations and challenges 
that makes people fail, whether they are believers or unbelievers. How you master the art of turning around negative energy, negative practices, will determine whether you succeed or you will not succeed because God has given us our will, the freeness to make decisions without his um, imposition of his will on us. So you and I, we are blessed. And we are blessed with the Holy Spirit whom we can depend on to give us direction and then also some counselors around us who can help us. It is one of those partners who said that, hey brothers, we are not doing well. So if you want to develop this capacity, you should be open to certain people who are like-minded people People who are succeeding in marriage, who are in that industry, who are, you see, if you want to take an advice for marriage, don't look for people who are better with marriage. You need to look for people who are like-minded, who are in that industry, who wish you, who wish you well. These other lepers, they wished whoever they pointed out that they were not, one of them just came and said, we are not doing well. So, amongst your partners, like-minded, like-faith, brothers and sisters, at least one of them can point you in the face that, hey, you are not doing well. That is why if you have only yes men around you, you don't go far. If all you have are people who say, yes, yes, oh, you are doing fine. They cannot look you straight in the eye and rebuke you or suggest to you that you are not treading the right path in your marriage. This thing you are doing is problematic. This thing you are doing in your business is problematic. If they come pointing out to you, clear and bare, if you don't have such people around you, you are not going far. And sometimes such people are quite nauseating because they are not conventional. The way they even say it doesn't even look nice sometimes. You can imagine when somebody has carried gold and has gone to put it somewhere and then blah, blah, and then out of the blue, carrying gold, he say, hey, you are not doing well. How do you tell me I'm not doing well when I'm carrying gold, silver, and remnant, and there is a, how can you tell me that? But he can tell you the way you are jumping here and there in your marriage, the way you are doing it, you are not doing well. And you need people like that who can look you straight in the eye and say, look, my friendship aside, you are not doing well. And it will help you to do well. So on they went, and if you look at that scripture, when they saw no man there, and the Bible said, they went into that place, and the Syrians heard the noise, and they interpreted it some way. So obviously, the opposition is not human beings. Verse 7 the Bible says, wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight. Now, the twilight, which is a time that you and I feel like things are not working for us, that is the same time, I, I want to point this out to you, that is the same time the enemy is also prepared to flee from you. Watch it. The time that you don't want to give birth because... They have told you that you cannot give birth and you have given up. That is the time the fibroid or the low sperm count also want to leave you. Watch it. When the four lepers took steps in the twilight of their moment, within that same twilight is the time the enemy also fled. 
What there's a correlation, and it's a direct correlation. That the moment the people who thought they were failures made their move, that was the moment every limitation, barrier, hindrance also decided to flee. So whenever you think like not doing, that's the time to do. Whenever you think like giving up, that's the time to push on. Whenever you feel in the twilight, that's when. So there are a lot of movement in the twilight moment. That will be dependent on your own movement, on your own decision. If you make a decision to move, things will move in that season for you. In business, it's like that. In ministry, it's like that. I mean, look at somebody like Ron Kennelly. He was past 50 years when God brought him to the limelight. Past 50. And if you're a singer and you are 50, you are almost you are past your prime. But that was the time God decided to showcase him to the world. Because that is the time God decided to also cause anything that could oppose him to flee from him. So in the twilight of your moment, that's when God can also cause all enemies to run away from you. And then the Bible said, so just know that in your twilight could also be your most fruitful season. Then when the enemies fled, the Bible said these people practically went into the tent of the enemy. Watch it, verse number seven. They went into the tent of the enemy and the people fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their lives. Verse number eight, the lepers when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and remnant and went and hid it. First and foremost, when you enter into a market, what should you do? When you enter into ministry, what should you do? You know, the Bible says the ministry is not for novices. It's not for ignorant men. Marriage is not for novices, it's not for ignorant people. Business is not for the novice, it's not for ignorant people. What these lepers did is a lesson to us. When they got into the camp, they walked from where they were all the way to the uttermost part of the camp. Watch it. They moved from point A to point Z for an illustration, a generic illustration. They made sure that they had walked the path to see the pattern in the camp. Was there anybody there? Who was there? They were just taking stock of what was in the camp. How is this territory looking like? Who is there? What is there? Why is this place quiet? Why are we not seeing human beings? Bible said when they went to the uttermost part of the camp, they realized that there was no man there. So when you go into a market, when you go into ministry, you have to make an assessment. Even how you name your ministry, and most people talk about God gave me a name and all of that. It is not every ministry that will receive a name from God. When you go into any market, 
you go into any terrain, God pushes you and gives you an opportunity, a calling into anything. You go into any institution. It's for you to learn from point A to point Z. Why are they taking a lift? If they are not taking a lift, what is the next option? You need to learn. These people went to the utmost part of the camp. They did an assessment and it was a holistic assessment. Some people are not interested in that. They just know a small portion of the camp and they generalize it as the bigger picture of the camp. That is not how it works. That is why what anybody is telling you in that market, if you are a bajumba, it's a Greek word. If you are a wise person, you'll be documenting and then you'll find a way to put it together and make your own conclusions about it. But you just go and say, this thing works. And sometimes it just works to a point. And people have done it over and over again. They know that it doesn't work beyond a certain point. So if you understand that it doesn't work beyond a certain point, it helps you. For example, in our church, I'll give you for free. We, we have documented what works for one year, first of all, for six months, for a new church, and what doesn't work well. It's not like it doesn't work, but the diminishing returns set in after six months. And then we have moved on to the next level. So after six months, this is what we do to the next six months. So at least in the first one year, we know the messages to preach 90% of the time. We know the things to do to drive the interests of people to work for the Lord, to be committed, to be dedicated by teaching the word of God, A, B, C, D, E, all right? If you are a pastor, you are starting church, and you don't understand all these dynamics, you will go with brute vision, raw vision, and it will frustrate you because vision without strategy will produce frustration. And that's why you must be knowledgeable. You must go to the utmost part of the camp survey the market, survey what makes marriage work, what makes a man and a woman coming from different backgrounds stay together and it works. And some of them are not even believers, but it works. Why? Because they have taken a, a, an assessment of the bigger picture. Most Christians are not interested. All they are interested is that this is what God told me and this is what I'm going to do. It is the reason why you are a failure. Because what God told you is a seed and for you to get the harvest, you need to work the land, till the land, work the land, break the fallow ground, till the land, work the land, water the land. And God will not tell you the fallow ground must be broken, till it, break it, water it, manure it, or fertilize the land. God will not tell you all those things. God is too busy to, to spend time to be you alone. So there are things he has put in the in the shepherd's bag that are stones that you can assess. David used only one stone. That's the question. And it was a market. The rest of the four stones, they were very useful, but they were for something else. So why don't you assess that knowledge that other people have in the market and it will make your life better in ministry, in marriage, in business, and all of that. You need to go to the utmost part. It is when you stand at the utmost part that you have a better picture of what pertains in that territory or that realm, what works there and what doesn't work there. What works to a point and what doesn't work from that point. 
how much do you have of a particular thing in a particular area? How do you manage it to last your journey? So you want to look at all those things if you go to the uttermost part. That is to say, in summary, that don't be an ignorant person doing business, doing ministry, marrying, whatever you are into. Make sure that you have gathered enough information that makes this thing work in the market so that you can have a proper assessment and proper interpretation of what goes on in the market. Now, with that said, verse 8, and when these lepers came to the utmost part of the camp, they went into one tent. Realize this thing. Before they went into a tent, a particular tent, they had surveyed the whole camp. So God gives you a capital, gives you money, gives you beauty, gives you age, gives you a vision for ministry. Where you put your ministry, how you pitch your tent or pitch yourself in a tent. Because there will be many tents there. Where do you start from? How do you introduce yourself into the market? Must you be an apprentice to somebody? Should you follow somebody who is an established person? All these things are things you need to really put into consideration. It cuts across marriage, ministry, business. So here they went into the market, but before they did that, they had an understanding of the threats and opportunities in the camp. They saw no man there. They saw animals. They saw goods. <laughs> they saw things. I'm enjoying it already, and I'm feeling it now because I sense it's helping somebody now. Then they entered the first tent. They went into one tent. How many tents? One tent. And let me point out to you that there was not only one tent there. Because if you read there, you see that. And they came again and went, entered into another tent. So there were many tents there, multiple tents. But they went into one tent per time, all four of them. So why do people fail in the midst of opportunities and abundance? Because people enter into tents haphazardly. You enter into things haphazardly. You are, you just, let's say you just go into a business, that's one tent. You need to stay there to build the base. And the Bible said when they went into the tent, watch it, watch it, watch it. And they did eat and drink. And then they carried dense silver. First of all, what you feast on when you enter into a particular small area is what will be feasting on you. So when you enter into an area, assuming in the market, you enter into selling soap, just stay there a little and feast on it a little. Drink on it a little. Because you realize that as the days go by, you'll be gaining more knowledge by your experience in that particular area. And as you feast on that, you are eating, you are drinking, then you will start carrying the treasure in that particular tent. You don't just get in there and start carrying treasure. People who get in there and start carrying treasure, looking at profit, and I want to profit, blah, 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 blah. They, they, they get wasted with time. But if you go there, eat, because the eating and the drinking will make you heavy. Eating will make you heavy. Drinking will quench your test so that you will not lose life. You know, if you are eating so much, you are not drinking, you are still dying. So as you go there, you are eating, 
You are building capacity. You are building energy. You are building capacity. You are building energy. You are building strength. You are building knowledge. Because it's eating that gives you nutrients. It will give you all the elements, what you need to know, how to grow well in a balanced way. These were people, watch it, they are coming from a, a place of drought, a place of farming. So they are really, really famished and they needed to eat to settle down. So many people don't settle in their tent and they start moving. So you go into an area, you have an opportunity. That's why even in church, a pastor started, when we started church, we had to do multiple services. We, said, we saw that in three years, we were growing very rapidly, but we didn't immediately go into branching because we needed to even understand how to run multiple services, the challenges it comes with, and all the other things. That is eating and drinking. So when you, you use yourself as a sample to, to pre-test where your future is, when you get into moving into that future, you don't make a lot of mistakes. But people just get into something. Wow, there is money there. They're always looking at profit. That's why they start carrying gold. That's almost the mistake a lot of people make. Start carrying gold, silver, this, and they are, you know, they are so hyper. Take your time. The person who is taking his or her time to build the knowledge of the science, S-C-I-E-N-C-E. The science behind what you are doing, the wisdom behind what you are doing, it is what will give you perpetuity in that tent, in that area. But if you are just taking fruits from the mango tree without knowing how to plant the mango and put manure for the mango to give you a certain size and a certain fruit at some point in time, you can be having fruit in the market, but the planters will always determine how much you have. Because they have taken time to understand the science of how mangoes grow and how mangoes perform. So take your time and eat in that small area God has given you. Take your time in that business, that idea. Grow in it. Eat and drink there. All right? You are designing Okay, this is what I'm able to do. How about the printing? You don't print. What are the issues with the printing? What issues do customers have? And all of that. You are eating and drinking. And it comes with time. So when people are hasty, when people are, they don't have patience. That's why the Bible says that the captains of all fools. It's not the one who says there is no God, but it's the one who is hasty. So people, when they see opportunity, they are so hasty. You want to jump and jump and jump. Please settle. Do what? Settle. So sometimes when you are watching football, um, spectators always want teams to play with intensity. Pass the ball quickly. Pass it quickly. Because all spectators look for are goals. But the technical team and the players, they don't always look for the many goals you are looking for. They want the three-point but they know that they can have a burnout whilst they are playing. That's why you see a team will be leading 3-0 and from the 75th minute, they digass because they are going according to the chanting of the fans. Go on, push it, go Messi, go Ronaldo. So from the 75th minute, 15 minutes to time, all the three goals get cancelled because they have burnt out 
by running, 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 and not finding ways of conserving energy during the play. So when you are a player on the field, your performance must be different from the sensationalism of the people watching you. That is why you are on the field. And when you are on the field, there are things you see that helps you to make a decision better than someone who is not in the field. I'm feeling it. That's why academicians always want to work with expert team because the expert team might not have titles, but they are the people on the field. And they always work with them because sometimes what the book says is theory and the practice on ground due to power relations are quite different. And so you, you need a blend of the two. So that's why you have to eat. That's why you have to, I think I have to take my time and do, deal with this thing. So if you are a pastor, recently I realized that a lot of pastors are pastoring and they don't even have, they have not acknowledged the proper art of shepherding, art of pastoring. Pastoring is an art. It's not just a calling. It's an art. That's why not every pastor is successful. The pastors who are successful are pastors who have mastered certain practices aside the calling. That's why prophets don't have big churches. It takes people who understand shepherding, the science of shepherding, the psychology of shepherding, the philosophy of shepherding, pastoring people. To, to have people gather around you. As for your gift, people will come, but they don't stay. And no company grows with ad hoc clients. People just come and buy and go, and they don't tie their livelihood to your product. You are going nowhere. And so you need to eat. You need to drink. One pastor asked me, he said, why is it that you do it so easily? I said, I have been under my pastor for over 20 years, I said, I'm there, Pastor. I understand by the grace of God, you know, ministry is, is multidimensional, but you have to understand the core things. Or else you will think you are preparing rice, and by the time you know, it's become a rice porridge. And, and you didn't start by preparing rice porridge, but maybe you poured too much water, and the thing couldn't hold together. I hope you understand me. And the men who don't know how to cook don't understand, but some of us who know how to cook, we understand what we are talking about. Okay? That's why people start preparing stew and it ends up like something soup-like. Because you don't understand the, the measures, the right measures to put there, the right measure of tomato to put there, the, sometimes even the right measure of ingredient to put there to hold the thing together. Some people try to prepare an okra stew and the thing that will make it very slimy and, you know, draw. They don't know the ingredient to put there. So two people prepare it and it's quite different. So you need to go to the ant and learn. You learn and you have the right ingredient there. That's why certain churches, anywhere they put a branch, it grows. Because they know what to do. We pray to the same Jesus, the same Holy Ghost is with you. But let me tell you something. When your spirituality doesn't cover the space of knowledge, it still becomes a disadvantage to you. And most of the time, what God has given to human beings to teach you, he won't bother himself to teach you by force. It is wisdom for you to find it out. That's your duty. 
The honors lie lies on you to search the matter. Bible says is the is the responsibility of kings to search a matter, and then God will reveal it unto them. I'm feeling this this thing very powerfully. So when you go into the tent, eat and drink, settle down. That's why you go to a place when you are a guest. Can we give you some something? Can we offer you? It's to make you settle down. So don't go into the market and you have not mastered anything, then you are doing this and this and this and this and this and this. You waste yourself. Master something. Eat and drink. Sit. Then when you have done that, you can start carrying the treasure in the tent you have entered, the area you have entered. So you realize that normally when you start a business or a ministry or when you marry, you see that as you marry for three months or you start a business for three months, then you say, oh, this one also says this, oh, this one also says this works, so you have to be careful. Okay, stay in your tent. They did eat and drink and carry thence silver. The only time you're able to carry silver, gold, and remnant from your tent is when you take your time in that tent. No rush. I'm feeling it. No rush. Parano Zabrea. Don't rush to carry the silver, to carry the gold, to carry the remnant in that tent, eat and drink. So when you do that, you see that you are doing one line of business and you sometimes do some fringes. But before you do the fringe businesses, understand what you do. Because the silver will come from there, the gold will come from there, the remnant will come from there. It is beautiful. Beautiful. And these things are all packed from one tent to another tent. Watch it. So stay in this first tent, master the tent, take the best you can take out of this tent, this business you have started. Don't be too adventurous and, in quote, greedy or too sensitive to what people say. Stay here, master. And so even if you venture into something else later on and that thing causes you losses, you are able to return back to your tent and you know that you will always get silver in your tent. You will always get gold in your tent and you will get remnant to cover yourself so that you are not overly exposed. I, I don't know if you understand this. That's why your core business is what, is, that is what preserves you. So even when you are, you are doing some other things here and there, you know that, God forbid, <laughs> the thought perish. Perish the thought. I learned it recently. Perish the thought that the fringe businesses backfire to an extent. You know that I can return to my core business, my tent, and because I understand how to create silver, gold, and remnant there, I will bounce back easily. So you don't break your heart, you don't destroy yourself because you, are, you jumped here and there and here and it, it's almost looking like it's backfiring or it has backfired. Because you have a tent you have mastered and you can always come there. Because life is an adventure and sometimes you will venture into certain things and territories that might not work as expected. But you can always return to what you have mastered. 
And when you understand what you have mastered, you can always regenerate yourself. It's a great mystery. That's why we are talking about tent to tent. Watch it. When they had plundered everything in one tent, the Bible said, and they went and hid it. Okay, so in your original tent, you are able to save. You are able to save. So when you go into a market, make sure that you are building this thing and you are able to save and you are able to build on it. You are able to build an investment in that area, in that ministry. Sometimes churches start branches too early. But branches have to do with money as well. So if you start a branch too early, you find out that <laughs> monies that could have been invested somewhere to earn dividends or profit, and maybe you would have used the profit to open a branch, you are using that money, that principal, to start a branch. And once you push the principal into a branch, it's gone. Most people don't understand that to venture into certain things, you need to, especially capital-intensive businesses, you need to have invested into something and then you use the profit of that investment to do other things. So that perish the thought. If those other things you are doing fail, you still have a cash cow somewhere in an investment that gives you profit, that can still help you to do other things. But if you are in a hurry, that's why you say, oh, hurry up and do branches here and there. No, you waste yourself. Take your time. Take your time. Do the branches with your profit, not with your capital. I hope it's going well, <laughs> child of God. So some people want to build a house and uh, you use your the profit or the, capi the capital of your business so, because you have had a boom. And then you go and buy, you start building a house. Okay, when you put that money into building the house and the money runs down, are you going to ask the block or the foundation or the iron rod to give you money? These are things that are sometimes medium term to long term and they don't give you ready money. So you would rather be doing business and you'll be using the profit to be building that house small, small. Because nobody is chasing you. So you use the profit to be building small, small. So you have secured your capital or your principal. And you are using the profit, a portion of the profit, to develop that thing that you want to develop. So when it is like that, there can be a consistent flow. That is when you can say that, oh, my building, I'll finish in one year time. Because you know your flow and you know what you are putting in there, and you know how far you can go, and that is wisdom. But you get this thing, you just go and push everything here, boom, into another tent. And you push it here, boom, into another tent. When that tent collapses, eh, you see that, ah, you have just self-destruct. And so this morning, <laughs> it, it, is in, it is wisdom that in your adventure into becoming what God wants you to become, Take a small portion of your tent, master it, look at the scripture, and invest. They went and hid it. And then when that was done, they came again and entered into another tent. And carried thence also and went and hid it. Let me say that. 
When you master wisdom in one tent, it helps you to carry straight away treasure from another tent. But if you don't take time to build the wisdom there, you go into different, different tents, and that's when they realize that mm, we are not doing well. Just entering into one tent, another tent, another tent. Look at what they said next. <laughs> and carrying and hiding and carrying and hiding. We are not doing well. In verse 9, they said one to another, we do not well. That's, we are not doing well. This day is a day of good tidings. And we hold our peace. So when you hold your peace from something that must be out there, something that must have public visibility and have greater influence and you hold it in a small corner, you are not doing well. So the next time we'll be talking about how to make your vision spread and cover many people, cover many spaces, how to make that small vision you have mastered in the corner become a consumption for the whole nation of Samaria and for people who are in hunger to latch on it and serve them. It is at that point that you will understand that you need to have an Instagram account, you need to have a Facebook account, you need to have a YouTube page, you need to have a Twitter page, you need to hash, have a social media presence, a strong media presence, do adverts at certain point in time, you need to stop and move to the palace and get the palace to come into your product this is what we discovered. It's good news for them, but it's money for you. And we will get there. That's why a vision that is hidden doesn't flourish. Vision must be visible. So we'll talk about that. Let me not just go into it. It's going to be powerful. Because so many of you are powerful in your private place, but wasted in the, in the, in the bigger space. You are great. What you are doing down there is so great and powerful, but it's going nowhere. The thing has the potential to have a national or a global impact, but it's going nowhere because you don't understand that you are not doing well. And many people call advertisement, media presence, and the rest a bad thing, but you don't understand. There is a science behind all these things. Why is it that most fake pastors Attack the media first. They, they invade the media space. Five radio stations, ten television stations, because they know. They know that if they can put their product out there, people will follow. Even if it is fake and they brandish it well, people will follow. So you don't do well when you think small, when you remain small, when you stay in your analog level. <laughs> you stay in your mechanical level and you don't come to that realm of commercialization, not church commercialization as in selling things, no. But coming into the bigger platform and making it, you know, because God has given you something that can save a whole nation if you stay in that one small corner that I am this and that. It's an accolade for the locality. And that makes you a local champion. And who recognizes a local champion? Everybody is looking for a global icon. And so to be a global icon, you need this mindset. And we'll talk about it the next time when we meet. But I'm excited that you are mastering what God has given you. Don't be greedy in doing too many ad hoc things. Just master what God has given you. Sit, eat, and that's why you go to YouTube. 
You find people who are doing it well, who have gone far and listened to them in the night, in the morning, when you finish your quiet time, add that one on top. <laughs> A video from YouTube studying before you go out. It makes you perform better. When you understand your area, you function properly. And so you, you just get so knowledgeable because a time is coming, you'll be invited to sit on television and you have to go into the intotos of the matter. Yeah, you need to speak to, to details. You need to speak to, to findings, empirical evidence. You need to speak to the area. When people find out that you are knowledgeable in something, they get comfortable with you. And so when people also lack content in their area, people know that you might have a great good, a great product, but if you lack the content of explaining to people and making people know that this service is going to save their lives, people don't believe you. And when people don't believe you, they don't buy from you, they don't follow you, they don't come to you. That's why you don't become a great pastor by being a deep prophet. Become a great pastor by being, knowing how to use the basic tool of the word of God. Teaching the word of God to liberate people and to point them to Jesus. Once that is done, people will just be comfortable sitting under you because they know they can develop in the Lord and they can become strong and they can become fruitful in his hand. But seeing visions and mentioning names and hometowns and things happening in the spirit realm, it is a side issue which is needed but it cannot become your core ministry. And if that is your core ministry, watch it. Over time, all of them, it doesn't go well with them. The core must be core. <laughs> Paracetamol doesn't heal any sickness. It's just a painkiller. It can give you a temporary relief, but if you have to be treated, they need to give you the real core medicine that will treat the infection, and then you'll be fine. And then when you are fine, you can now be doing other things. So, hey, this morning, I just said, you have been called into pastoring, you have been called into singing, you have been called into this. How far have you gone in that tent? How far? How deep? What's your debt? Because your debt determines your height. And so, you need to go deeper so you can go higher. And as you are doing this, I pray for grace for you. Grace for you this day that whatever step you have taken that seems to be backfiring on you, just take your time. In that same twilight, the enemies will be fleeing from you. So you are not going to lose. It is not lost. You are just seeing it, but you won't lose. God is going to turn it around for you and you are going to make it because you will always have to take a risk. And I pray for blessings for you. I pray for grace for you. I pray that as you are following Jesus Christ in everything you are doing, you will see the glory of God. You will see the power of God. You will be able to stay in your tent, eat and drink, and carry silver, gold, and remnant, and invest to grow the tent God has given you. And may you prosper as you enter into other tent, from one tent per time, to another tent, not two at a time, one per time to another. Receive blessings in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You have been listening to the Testimony Word broadcast from the Keepers House Chapel International. Locate us at Madina Estate, Accra, off the social welfare road between the Gulf Lane Station and Wawan Washing Bay. 
Follow us on Facebook at the Keepers House Chapel International. Podcast and audio rumor at Reverend Francis Auburn. Visit our website at www.keepershousechapel.org. One word. For further information, call 0244-177-831 or 0204-916-168 or 0277-532-360. Join us on Sundays at 7 a.m. for the first service, 9.30 a.m. for the second service and 11.30 a.m. for the third service. On Wednesdays at 6 p.m. for our midweek and communion service and on Saturdays at 6.30 a.m. for our morning flavor prayer services. Experiencing Jesus, Bethany Ministries.